Welcome to Green Pastures Broadcast with Bishop James Hansen Saki, presiding bishop of Christ Church Group of Churches located in the United Kingdom, Switzerland, Ghana, and USA. And to someone, tell the person, Happy New Year. And tell the person, it's a blessing to see you in this new year. This is your year for breakthroughs. A year for new dimensions. In Jesus' name, amen. Operating spiritual gifts. We have learned about spiritual gifts. We have learned about the Holy Spirit. These gifts have to be operated. And we have to know how we can position ourselves to operate spiritual gifts. I shared when I was teaching on prophecy some of the means by which these gifts are released. We talk about dreams and visions. But this afternoon I want to speak to you about preparing yourself because anytime you operate anything, you must prepare yourself to be able to operate the thing. So spiritual gifts are supernatural enablements of the Holy Spirit. They are gifts of the Spirit. They are supernatural abilities given to you by the Holy Spirit to operate like the way God would do in you. To operate spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts, they are not like toffees and chewing gums. These are divine abilities given to you to exercise them for the glory of God. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 12 that these gifts are given to profit everyone. So they are gifts of the supernatural. They are supernatural in nature. They are not physical in nature. They are supernatural in nature. They are not natural. They are supernatural. They are without human effort. They are actually supernatural giftings that come to the individual for the blessing of everyone. And the Bible lists nine of them, the gifts of word of knowledge, gift of word of wisdom, the gift of discerning of spirits, the gift of special faith, the gift of working of miracles, the gifts of healings, the gift of prophecy, the gift of interpretation of tongues, and the gift of diversities of tongues. Nine in total. And the Bible says the same Holy Spirit works all this in us. So the gift comes from one member of the Godhead who is called the Spirit. Its name is Holy Spirit. Amen. Now in order to operate this gift, we need to prepare ourselves to operate. So I'll be sharing with you the preparation. 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 Another time we will look at the means that it comes and how to tune in. But preparation is key. Hallelujah. There are three ways of preparing yourself. You need three things to prepare yourself. You have to prepare yourself in holiness. You prepare yourself in prayer. And you prepare yourself in the word. These three are necessary ingredients for the operation of these gifts. These gifts won't work when these three are not in place in the person. So the Holy Spirit is the giver of the gift. But he will release that gift. And the gift will operate 
when it is within a person who has prepared themselves consistently in these three major areas, holiness, prayer, and the word. Somebody shout holiness. Oh, I didn't say you should whisper. Say shout holiness. Or oh, you haven't eaten McDonald's this afternoon. Shout holiness. And then shout prayer. And shout the word. All right. Okay. Now, so these three things, they are very necessary. They are the characteristics of every prophet, every true prophet of God that hears quickly from God. These three is always foundational. It's always the normal lifestyle of the person. So we prepare ourselves in holiness, in prayer, and in the word. When that is consistently in place, these gifts operate easily. The Holy Spirit just turns them on that and it just works. Amen. Hallelujah. You can have a very beautiful car, but if the car is not prepared by oiling it and by tuning things in it, it will sit on your driveway. You can take as many pictures with it, but it will never take you to Bexley Heath, where you like to do most of your shopping. So the same thing, a gift is there, but we need to create the, the foundation, the ground for it to, play, up, to operate. Now, we will be looking at holiness today. I can't exhaust all the three, but we'll be looking at holiness. Somebody shout holiness. Hallelujah. Now, the Bible tells us that when we become born again, the spirit of God comes to live in us. And because of the work Jesus did at Calvary on the cross, that God sent his son so that he would die. And when he dies, he will shed his blood. And when he sheds his blood, he will deliver us from the death we were supposed to die so that we will have life. Now, that work Jesus did on the cross is called an act of righteousness. Shout righteousness. So that righteousness has been credited to us. When we become saved, we have been credited with the righteous act of Jesus on the cross. So when we believe in his name, and we accept him as our Lord and Savior, and we believe he's the son of the living God, and he comes into our heart and we become born again, the Bible says that the work Jesus did on the cross, remember, he was not the sinner. He took your place on the cross. And so what he did satisfied the righteous requirement of the Holy God, who is the Father. And so anytime you go through Jesus, when the Father looks at you, he looks at the blood of his Son on you and looks at you as righteous as his Son. So you become righteous in his sight. And so we have been credited with the righteousness that Jesus purchased for us at the cross. We didn't go to the cross, so it was credited to our account. Have you just not done anything? And then somebody just sends you a message and says, check your bank account. There's something there. You know, you just, you just good. When you just, you just, you just log in and say, wow, man, what did I do to deserve this? You realize that it feels good when you're credited with something yeah, you didn't work for. So Jesus Christ went to the cross, paid the price and then we were credited with his righteousness. What love for the father who has just credited us. So righteousness is an act of Christ that we were credited with. Then holiness is where you come into the picture. Holiness is applying and obeying the word of God to maintain the righteousness that has been purchased for you. That is holiness. That's holy living. 
living your life according to the word of God. When you live your life according to the word of God, you are walking in holiness because the word of God is holy. And the word of God is himself and himself is holy. Amen. And so when we begin to practice the word of God, we are walking in holiness. And the reason why holiness is necessary is that holiness then maintains the righteousness that you have been credited with. So you don't abuse the righteousness that you have been credited with. So holy living is the lifestyle that maintains the righteousness that we have been credited with. Have we seen the difference now? Amen? So there's an effort on your part as far as holiness is concerned. That's why the Bible says we should be holy. But when it comes to righteousness, it is something Christ himself had purchased for us. So we are right in the stand of God. But then our holy living will maintain the righteousness. When we walk in unholiness, we create a situation where the righteousness is abused. And it is possible we will lose it. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. So holy living is the nature of the Christian and it is necessary to maintain the presence of God in your life. It is necessary to maintain the power of God. It is necessary to maintain the righteousness that has been wrought for us. That is why throughout the scriptures, the Bible tells us to be holy. Because it is actually in our interest to remain holy. Because it maintains all the provisions of God. Remember the name of the spirit of God is Holy Spirit. He works best in holy vessels. Now, tell someone, Bishop says, I should advise you that holiness is necessary because the name of the Spirit of God is Holy Spirit. So, live holy so that he can work best in you. Shout amen. Okay. Has the person taken the advice? All right. Okay. Now, remember that holiness is the nature of God. And out the scriptures we sometimes you're reading the bible and you wonder how this prophet of god is able to hear from god and these gifts of the spirit is operating in them because they walked in holiness they walked in obedience to the word of god holiness is a lifestyle somebody shout lifestyle now luke chapter 1 verse 70 first peter 1 16 has told us jesus said god said because it is written be holy for i am holy be holy for I am holy. Now we have been told you must be holy. That means it's something you have to intentionally do. You must be holy because God says I am holy. Now the scripture says in Luke chapter 1 verse 70. says as he spoke by the mouth of what? Of who? Oh today engagement I want to hear you too. By the mouth of who? So you see. Prophets are not just described as prophets, but they are described as holy prophets. That means that the prophets walked in holiness. And that is one of the reasons why they are able to hear from God so quickly like that. Every, every second, anywhere, visions, open visions. They can hear audibly. They can hear. They can move in the spirit so quickly because they have a lifestyle of holiness. And the scripture qualifies it and describes them as holy prophets who have been since the world began. So all these prophets were described as holy prophets. They obeyed the word of God because the word itself is holy. Walking in obedience to the word of God is holiness. Amen. Acts chapter 3 verse 21. Acts chapter 3 verse 21. It says, Whom the heaven must receive until the time of restoration of all things, 
which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. Again, you see another scripture. We, the first one we read was in Luke 170. This is in Acts chapter 3 verse 21. And the prophets are described as holy. The prophets are typical models or examples of a group of people that operated spiritual gifts. The gifts of the spirit is seen so much in them. You see miracles, you see signs, you see wonders, you see word of knowledge, all those things. And the scripture qualifies them as holy prophets. Holy. Holiness is the foundation necessary for operating spiritual gifts. And if there's any reason why Satan fights you from living a holy life, is to rob you of what it takes to operate these gifts. The Holy Spirit will stop talking to you when you continue to walk in unholiness. He's not going to talk to you. You're not going to hear him. You walk into a ditch. You walk in darkness because you'll not be hearing the voice of God. The Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit are activated in holy vessels. That's why the scripture tells us to prepare ourselves in holiness. Second Peter chapter 3 verse 2. So the prophets are examples of people that walk in holiness. The prophet Elijah calls down fire from heaven. That was a miracle. Elisha said to his servant, didn't my spirit go out with you on the street when you took the money and the gifts from that man? That was word of knowledge in operation. Throughout the scriptures, we see them operating these gifts. He says, so that you may be mindful of the words which, we were, which were spoken before by who? By who? Oh, engage me. What is he saying? By who? By the holy prophets again. We see the scripture this time is in Peter. Peter is not the same as Paul. Amen. So we see different writers, different men of God being used by the spirit of God and still describing the prophets as holy prophets and of the commandments of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. Amen. Second Peter chapter 1 verse 20. Just laying the foundation. Holy prophets. These prophets are described as holy. And they could hear from God. I pray for you that you come to that place where within split second you are picking the voice of God. You are downloading divine information from the spirit realm. Amen. Intelligence reports. Glory be to Jesus. You are able to eavesdrop information. Conversations satanic meetings you eavesdrop and pray to destroy these are gifts by the gift of word of knowledge these things operate in Jesus name some time ago somebody was, was gossiping about me and slandering me the person is talking to another person the person was sitting in her house and she phoned another person and they were talking and I was sliding on my head in the afternoon and I told my wife Look at these people. She was trying to talk, tell me something. She realized I was not responding. She said, but why are you responding to me? I'm, I'm saying something. I've realized that for the past five minutes, you have not minded. I said, I'm picking something. These people are talking about me. He said, how do you know? I said, I will give them a call right now. So I called the other lady. I said, hello. I said, oh, hello, pastor. Hello, pastor. I said, don't pastor me. Don't pastor me there. Why were you talking about me with the other person on the phone? He said, hey, who, who told you? Then the, I could hear the husband say, I told you. That's how I say, I told you. I told you that this man, he will hear. You see? And I say, 
you were talking, you were saying, he said, oh, but this one too, God have to reveal to you. I say, yes, he's interested. May the Holy Ghost quicken you to pick up strategic information. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of scripture is of any private interpretation, but for the prophecy came not in all time by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. So these men of God were described as holy men of God. And they received the prophecies of God to pass them on. So you see, even the gift of prophecy works through certain people called holy men of God. May we have some holy young men and holy young women in the church. Hallelujah. Filled with the Holy Spirit. Working the works of God. Glory be to Jesus. That you will get up in, on the, in the classroom and speak to the teacher. He thought you are going to answer a question on, on psychology and say to the teacher, last night, last night, last night, you were arguing with your husband <laughs> and it's over that little money. It is over the 500 pounds fee that had to be paid and this and you give detailed information. It's like, whoa, how did you know? Are you a spiritist? No. I am filled with the spirit of God and I'm able to tell what you are going through. Say, so how can I, how, how do you get to know this? You must be born again and you preach to that teacher. They will be saved. There will be revival in the schools in Jesus name. For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. So you see, prophecy comes by vessels called holy men. That's why you need holiness. Prophecy comes through holy vessels. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen. Now, when we live in this complex world, how do we live in holiness? When there's so many things competing with us, how do we practically walk in holiness? But I want us to continue to look at some few scriptures. First Peter chapter 1 verse 14 to 19. First Peter chapter 1 verse 14 to 19. As obedient children. Not conforming yourselves to the former lusts. See when he was writing. He was, this time he is writing to Christians. And he's saying that your former way of life. Was a former way of lusts. Fleshly things. Worldly things. These are things that make you unholy. He says, as obedient children, no longer conforming yourselves to your former lust as in your ignorance. So there are things that we did in our ignorance because we didn't know the word of God very well. We, we just think we just can go to church and come behave like the world. No, you are saved. You are washed by the blood. You are a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. You are on this earth, but you are not of this world. You are unique. You are a child of the king. But as he who has called you is holy, so also be holy in all your conduct. If the Bible is yours, underline, circle, highlight the word all conduct. Take us in all your conduct. All your conduct. The way you conduct yourself, you must be holy in all of that conduct. Holiness in the way you speak. No profanities, no swear words. Holiness. Holiness all round, in your conduct, in your behavior, in your thoughts, 
when you lie down, when you rise up, when you go out, when you come in, holiness all around. He says, be holy in all your conduct. He who called you is holy. So you must be holy in all your conduct. This is the high calling of the believer. This is the level that you are supposed to be operating at. Next verse. Because it is written, be holy. It's a commandment. It's not you be holy. It says, be holy. For I am holy. The God you serve says, I am holy. And because of that, you must be holy. So, holy calling and holy living is not only for pastor. It's for everyone who is born again. Because Holy Spirit is in you. It cannot make sense for a Holy living. You continue to be unholy. It doesn't make sense. It just won't work. His name is Holy Spirit. He works best in holy vessels. Amen. Because it is written, be holy for I am holy. And he says, look at it. And if you call on the Father who without respect of persons or partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear. Whilst we are on this earth, we must conduct ourselves in fear. Not as in running away or panic or being afraid of someone, but in reverence. Be mindful of the fact that one day we will give an account to this God. Please take us to the next verse. Because you must know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold. Your redemption did not come because somebody paid gold to get you born again. No. What was used to purchase you cannot be quantified in monetary terms. It was the blood from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers. But with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. So you have been purchased with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. That means that you must not take this purchase for granted. You have been redeemed to live a holy life. The moment we start living unholy lives, we are actually insulting the work that Jesus did for us. We are actually destroying the work that was purchased for us. And we are actually, you know, devaluing the precious blood of Christ that was used to sanctify us, to purchase righteousness for us. And we must maintain the righteousness. Anybody with conscience, when someone spends a fortune on you and gives to you as a gift, you handle it very well. There's no one that someone actually buys you gold or a golden ring that costs 100,000 pounds or 1 million pounds and you just leave at the bus stop at Bexley Heath and you forgot and went on the bus because you were listening to iPhone. How, how many iPhones are sold for 1 million pounds? It means you don't value, you don't understand but when you value the gift, you maintain it. You handle it with care. Amen. When, when people buy things for you, anyone with conscience handles that gift carefully. Because, you see, someone thought of you. Someone paid the price. Someone got the thing for you. And so you handle it very well. Every gift I've received, I jealously guard it. I jealously guard it. Sometimes when maybe the, the young men in my house, 
You know those young men? Yeah, the young men in my house. If they mishandle anything in the house, which was a gift from someone, I always draw the attention. I say, this is a gift. It must be maintained. So when the person comes to visit, you will find the thing handled beautifully. It's not an insult to the effort the person made. It's, it's an honor to the person that we are maintaining. We are still, the day I said thank you, that should not be enough. I must still maintain the thing and handle it with, with dignity and handle it as a precious thing that someone thought through, paid a price, got it trapped with it. When the person was bringing it to my house, the person could have been involved in an accident. So the person even put their life on the line to get me that gift. I can't just throw it about. Man. Hallelujah. Sometimes I say, don't waste the drink. Somebody brings a drink. Don't waste it. Judiciously manage it. It is a gift. You can't. The, the, the Fanta and just leave it up. Just leave it for it. Don't waste. No. It costs someone something. Amen. Don't waste it. You must learn to value it. In Jesus name. Amen. You were bought with the precious blood. That's why you must maintain holiness. Now what are the things that when we do, they are signs of unholy living. Let's come to, first of all, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 7. Just for you to understand the calling of God. This calling is not for pastors. It's for everybody who became born again, who is a Christian. This is the requirement of God. <laughs> I tell you, when you understand holiness, the devil is in trouble. When you walk in holiness, Satan is in trouble. Because there's, there's no satanic weapon that will work against you when you stand in holiness. The reason why Satan brings temptation to the Christian is to make you sin to open a spiritual door by which they can attack you. Until then, they can't touch you. That's why God says, live holy. Have you ever seen or heard that the devil has defeated God before? No, it was because his nature is holiness. That's why he said we should live holy. When we live holy, there's no way Satan can defeat you. Witches can go to world council meeting of witches and plan about you. They will fail. The only way they can get access is when we sin. When we sin, they gain access. That is why they constantly harass you with temptations to make you sin. But when you have revelation, you now interpret temptations in the context of revelation. Amen. Because spiritual gifts are precious. You need to walk in them. But when you see temptation now, you look at temptation as an attack on your ability to operate spiritual gifts. So you don't fall for it. Amen. First Thessalonians 4, 7 says, For God hath not called us or did not call us to uncleanness, but he called us to holiness. He, your calling is the holy call. Amen. It is a holy calling. And it is preparation for operating spiritual gifts. So God has called us. God has called every one of you. And he has called us with a holy calling. It's not for uncleanness, but for holy living. Somebody shout holy living. When we live a holy life, we begin to walk in what we call supernatural living. You begin to live supernaturally. There are certain things Satan can't. He can't touch you. He can come near your door. He can't, he can't even do anything to you. They can't touch you. He can't, he can't do anything to you. The only way they can do anything to you is when that door is open. 
when we become born again, there is a seal of protection spiritually around us. Whenever we walk in sin, we break God's word, a door is open. That's how demons to attack. That's where the entry point begins. So sin is always the entry point. And that is why you seek temptations. Those of you who have been in Christ for a long time, you notice that when you are fasting, that's when temptations come. <laughs> Tomorrow we have started, we are starting fasting. We are starting 21 days fast, whole church, including all protons. Michael, have you fasted before? We will help you. Have you seen the guidelines for the fasting? I've sent it to you. To forward it to, to all the protons. Amen? And then the prayer topics by midnight, it will drop by 11 o'clock. First prayer topic for tomorrow. Amen? Fasting for 21 days. It's going to be powerful. Last year's 21 days was something else. Every night we have prayer. As you build the prayer capacity, heaven begins to open. Satan loses control. He can't do anything. He is just finished. But we come in with power. In Jesus' name, we're going to storm the camp of the enemy and take what belongs to us by fasting and prayer. When you're fasting, so many temptations come. That's why somebody annoys you. You feel like beating the person. You have so many temptations. The last time we were having 21 day fast, on the 10th day at 11 I was praying and fell asleep. And I dreamt that I was eating kinky with gravy and some very wonderful fried feet. Man, look up. I said, this temptation, it will not manifest until after the fast. This is a trap of the enemy. How can you bring me what I like like that? Satan will never tempt you with what you don't like. Amen. Hey, are we going to starve ourselves? We will not starve ourselves. When you are fasting, you pray and you read the word. And spiritually, the capacity builds up. You see that you develop spiritual stamina. Amen. Okay. First Corinthians chapter 6. Thank you, Jesus. I give you all the praise. Oh, before we go there, Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Verse 29 to 31. Michael, you don't like to fast, isn't it? Hey. Don't. don't. <laughs> what did he say? Oh, you like the food. By the time you finish, you'll be fine. <laughs> you break the fast at 6. You break the fast at 6. Then you eat. And we carry on. We carry on. You don't do, we don't do it like the way the Muslims do it. They wake up at four and they eat. Then they say they are fasting. <laughs> it's 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. Don't worry. Some of you, you, you crawl gradually. You crawl. You get there. You get there. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. But what is good for necessary edification so that it will impart grace to the hearers. Next verse. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. I, I, I picked this text just to draw your mind that the Holy Spirit can be grieved. Of sin or unholiness 
will grieve the Holy Spirit. Now, if you are in relationship with someone who is grieved, you bear in mind that anybody grieved is not going to give anything to you. It's not going to freely give things to you. So, these gifts of the Holy Spirit is not going to be put on display when he's in you and you have grieved him. Are you here? This is the reason why holiness is important. And the, the things we do to grieve the Holy Spirit are the things that he's listening. He says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. You have been sealed. He's the stamp of God on you. But he can be grieved. That tells you he's a person. You can't grieve a chair. You cannot grieve an inanimate thing. Anything that is not living, you cannot grieve it. So the Holy Spirit, if he can be grieved, he's a person. He's inside you. If we continue to grieve him with sin, we cannot see the manifestation of his gifts. If we want to operate spiritual gifts, holy living is key. Now look at that. He's let all bitterness. When we walk in bitterness, we are walking in unholiness. Are you here? Now people will annoy us, offend us, but hey, you must be a Christian. You must quickly take them out of your heart. Don't let bitterness simmer in your heart. Don't build up. You have all kinds of people who do crazy stuff. But you must have the nature of the spirit of God in you. The fruit of the spirit of God is necessary foundation for the operation of the gifts of the spirit. Amen. When Jesus was slapped, they spat at him. They did all kinds of things to him. It was because of the power of the Holy Spirit in him that enabled him to walk above that level. Don't come down to that level. Drop people in your heart quickly. Give them with them, but don't meditate on the offense. See, the reason why we become bitter is because we meditate on the offense that people have offended us. The thing they did to us, the more we think about the more we develop powerful revelations, in that anything you meditate on, you get revelation in it. So when we meditate on the offense, we will have all kinds of meanings to it. And each level of meaning will lead to feather heads. Feather heads. Feather heads. Sometimes we now begin to apply meanings that the person did not originally intend. And all that goes up to form bitterness in us. And the scripture says, bitter, the spirit of God will not operate in us. Sometimes it's very hard to bow, but that's why we are born again. We must take the higher ground. We are above natural laws. Amen. It's the nature of the Holy Spirit. You need to read my book, The Effects of the Holy Spirit. Actually, it is a recommended book for the fasting. Read the guidelines. It's there. The guidelines tells you to read the scripture readings for the day and that particular book. So, however, make sure that they all get the guidelines quickly. I sent two quickly to you this afternoon which was sent to all branches and sent to all pastors. So you have the flag and then that one. Then the prayer topics will come at 11 p.m. every night. Let all bitterness, all bitterness, now it's not by might nor by power, by the help of God you'll be able to fast. Nancy, isn't it? Yes, you'll be able to fast. At 11 o'clock you feel very hungry. You feel very hungry. 6 a.m., yeah, because your mind is on it. You won't die. You, you will not die. You will not die. All these years, we've been fasting. The first 21 days in January, we've been fasting. Last year, it was 7 to 27. This time, it's 6 to the 26. 
need you to do 40 days. So you, you be happy with 21. <laughs> We've done 40 days before. This year is going to be massive prayer, 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 prayer. The heavens will open. Cripples will walk. The blind will see. Yokes will be broken. People will flow in the gifts of the spirit. You get on that bus and get the whole saved by the anointing of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Let all bitterness and all wrath. What is wrath? Highest level of anger. Highest level of anger. See, that's why they brought anger today. But this one is the highest level. This, this is the micro level. Highest level of anger. Quick temper. You get angry, they kick everything. Just kick everything. Just kick. If you kick a stone in anger, you hurt your own foot. Anger. Say in our family, we, we, we get angry. Hey, you need heart transplant. May the Holy Spirit fill you in Jesus' name. So you don't get into trouble. Anger. Clamor. What is clamor? You Google, Google it. Google it. It's an open book. Elizabeth, I'm coming to you. What, what does that word mean? Check, check it on your phone. Google it. Oh, you are not online. Oh, okay. Who is online? Maybe we'll fast for your phone. It will, it will go. It will start going online. Yes, Nancy. A loud or confused noise. That of people shouting. And what else? What are the other synonyms? Roundness. That is, and what? Yeah, so, this is rowdiness. You see, I'm not talking about we getting excited and doing things, but you know some people can just be rowdy and cause confusion, destroy things, riots, all that fall under that word, clamor. And evil speaking, evil speaking, speaking evil of other people, these are all acts of unholiness, grief the Holy Spirit. Speaking evil of other people. Ladies and gentlemen, don't be part of those that speak evil of other people. Amen. Stay out of that. As I said in church two Sundays ago, if you have worked hard to build a reputation before, you will not easily destroy someone's reputation. If you have worked to build a house before, you will not tear down somebody's house. So don't destroy anybody. You let people say what they, let God deal with them. See, when you are a child of God, the Bible says, God says, vengeance is mine. Don't try to take the place of God. Let him take by you. Forgive the person and move on. Amen? Now, forgiveness is different from trust. Forgiveness is mandatory for the child of God because it protects and preserves the righteousness. Trust must be earned. So I may forgive you. For stealing the 100,000 in my church office. But I won't trust you with that position anymore. Are you here? So, yeah, you can come to church. We may even employ you in other part of the church, but not in my office. 
Are, are you here? So that's the difference between trust and forgiveness. Forgiveness is mandatory, but trust must be earned. So, but the Bible says that evil speaking, don't speak evil of anybody. Stay out of the zone. When you don't have all the facts, it is better to say, I don't have all the facts. Sometimes people come and ask you, you see, they make their voice like VW. That is about, don't get involved. They are talking about the other person and destroying the umbrella person's image and look at her and who does she think she is and look at even the, the shoes she's wearing and all of that. And, and when we are praising, she's looking. You two, where, where was your eyes? And look at that sister. How can she wear red socks in church? And we, we speak evil of people and malign people and destroy the integrity of people. The Bible says don't do any of these things. Evil speaking must be put away from you with all malice. Every form of malicious engagement. Drop it. Malicious words. Drop them all. Stay above board. Amen. The Bible says when you do so, you are grieving the spirit of God. So you must stay out of this. Finally, let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and chapter 6. Holy Spirit, thank you. Holy living. These are things we mustn't do. When we do them, we are not walking in holiness. We will be grieving the Holy Spirit. This Holy Spirit is in you. Don't grieve him. Don't grieve him. Don't grieve him. Don't grieve him. God is going to use some people in this in a big way, in a mighty way. The Bible says a man can receive nothing except it be given to him by God. Receive some grace in Jesus' name to operate spiritual gift. First Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16 to 18. Do you not know that you are the temple of God? So you are actually a walking temple of God. When we come here, God comes here. When we leave, he doesn't come here. Whatever they come and do here, that thing, that spirit comes here. When we gather in his name, then he comes there. Amen? Now, God is everywhere, but his manifest presence is not everywhere. That's what we call the manifest presence of the Lord. The manifestation of his presence is not everywhere. It is when his people gather. So there's a, there's a certain way by which you gravitate the glory of God into a place. Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the spirit of God dwells in you? He's not in transit. He actually lives in you. This spirit of God who is the owner of spiritual gifts and giver of spiritual gifts, he actually stays in you. He dwells in you. If anyone defiles the temple of God, remember, it's just like when you are studying mathematics and you have quadratic equations and x is equal to 10 and y is equal to 5. And then you are given some equation and say solve x and solve y, things like that. Now, if anyone, remember, it says you are the temple of God, then it's, if anyone defiles the temple of God, in other words, if anyone defiles you, God will do what? For the temple of God is holy and you are that temple. This scripture should be enough. The temple of God is holy. 
You see why you must be holy? This temple in which the Holy Spirit lives, that's why it makes you a temple. That temple is holy. The normal circumstance should have said, should be holy, but actually it says, is holy because the Spirit of God is in you. Once you are born again, you are holy. And because of that, you must maintain the holiness. For the temple of God is holy and you are that temple. You are that temple. Tell someone, you are that temple. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And you are expected to be holy. He says, what don't you know? That you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And that the Spirit of God dwells in you. Wow. Let no man deceive himself. If any man among you seem to be wise in this world, let him become a fool that he may be wise. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 to 20, and then we, we ended there to list some of the unholy things again. So we become aware of them. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. You're looking very nice in these black things that we are wearing. These jumpers. You're looking very nice. Very, very nice people. You're looking cool. Aubrey, you're looking very cool. Yeah, yeah. Your beard is growing nicely. You're trying to look like me. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't be deceived. Neither fornicators. Is that one in your Bible? What is fornication? Let's talk. Let's talk, man. Let's talk. Fornication is when you are not married and you have sexual relations. That's right. 100% correct. We'll give, you, we'll give you some reward for this definition. Do you not know that the unrighteous do not be deceived, neither fornicators. Now, so that means that all that is about least falls under unrighteousness or unholiness. Are you here? This is, this is proper teaching. Do you not know that the unrighteous do be deceived? A lot of people are deceived to think, oh, this doesn't matter. Oh, no, it doesn't fall under it. It falls under it. Sexual sins. Young people love sex. Hey, get married first. Thinking about sex. Say, it's, it's, the, it's, the, it's the hormones, you know, the feeling. Hey, put it under control. You won't die if you don't have sex. Don't, you won't die. Don't let it. That's why it says, don't be deceived. There is a deception out there that makes people think that if they are not having sex, then they don't belong. It's a lie of the enemy. It is to rob you of spiritual power. The devil is a liar. And so is his mother-in-law. Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators. Now we know what that means. Idol worshippers. Those that worship any other thing apart from God, they are idol worshippers. Idol worshippers. No adulteress. Now, what is adultery? We've defined fornication. That's the senior brother. Wait, which one is that? What is adultery? Uh-huh. With someone who you are not married to. Okay, so. Yes, so in case of adultery, this is a married person who has sex with someone that is beside his or her spouse. So that is adultery. So that's why it's a graduation. It's a senior brother. 
of fornicating for fornication. Now you see, self-control is key. Now that tells you that marriage itself is not a cure for sexual sins. Otherwise, the word adultery should not exist. Because once the person is married, then he shouldn't have any feeling for any other. But he will, she will. But that is where self-control comes in. Amen. Glory be to Jesus. Yeah. Amen. Are you here? Yeah. He wants you alive. When we're talking about these things, you must be alive. No adulteress. No homosexual. Is that, is that one is in the Bible? Am I the one saying it or that one? The Bible says it. Ah. So if anybody tries to knock on our door, we will give them the Bible. If the Bible is not outlawed in the United Kingdom, then we can quote from the Bible. No homosexuals is there. Huh. This is their brothers. No sodomites. Both of them are the same. Lesbians. All those the, the old era. LGBTQWBF. Those nonsense. More are coming. Now recently somebody to have declared herself pansexual. Second, I mean, look at that. All this by things is not enough. Now it's pan. That means anything from animals to wood to stick to whatever. Second, I mean, what kind of nonsense is that? The Bible says so. It says all these, these groups, these things that we do, they are unholiness. No thieves. Are you here? Is there a thief in this house? May you not be a thief. Don't steal things from the workplace and bring it home. The, taking the pen from the work is a little, little thief free. Return it to the office. No thieves. No covetous. What is covetousness? Let's get the definition. Covetous. I don't want to be telling. I just want you to find. I want to have an engaging teaching this afternoon. Covetousness. Oh, I'm excited. Sexual sins are dangerous. So long as you're in this world, you'll be tempted. But when you have understanding and revelation, you stay away from it. There are steps to protect yourself from sexual sins. Amen. When you're in a relationship, you have to know that they are boundaries. When you are Christians, you're in a relationship, we don't have sex. Glory be to Jesus. That's why you don't have to be embracing a certain things and doing certain things. You have to keep the distance. You see, the Bible says that no man can take fire in his bosom and won't be bent. Eh? Yeah. Michael. You're having feeling and you embrace it. The feeling will continue. You will not be able to leave her. That's why the Bible says, flee. Flee is running race to the power 64. Flee. Amen. May your testimony be pure. In the name of Jesus, it is possible. And a man take fire to his bosom and his clothes not be burned. It will burn. It will burn. You cannot say you are King Kong. You will fall. That's why the Bible says flee. Joseph ran away. If you stay around and entertain it before you realize, hmm. no thieves, no covetous. Yes, tell us what is it? Covetousness. Having a strong desire 
to possess something that belongs to someone else. Hey! That's why you have sleepless nights because of that sister's high heel. I wish it is mine. I wish it is mine. Then the thing fills you so much that next week you get close to her, tell you. You know, have a party. And, uh, if I can lend your shoe, you know, lend, 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 lend me your shoe. I'll take it to the party and I'll give it back to you. Now, tell you, have a, a kind heart, sister in the Lord. You give it to, to Connie. Connie won't do that, but just for the purpose of that, just give it to Connie. Connie takes and she attends the party with it. Next day, she wears it to church. But she times where Teju is sitting. So now she sits at the back. When they said, everybody go around and sing to someone and say, I love you with the love. You see that she's always avoiding Teju. And runs after the service is gone. She's gone. <laughs> Next week, she shows up and acts as if she has forgotten about the shoe. Tell you text. Say, oh, I'll bring it next week. And she's possessing it. She's still wearing it for parties, wearing it for places, wearing it everywhere except where Teju is. Covetousness. An inordinate desire to possess something that belongs to someone. That's what Bible says. Don't covet your neighbor's shoe, your neighbor's donkey, your neighbor's wife, your neighbor's husband. Don't covet. Say, ah, I wish this man is my man. Eh? Quick, stay by your own. No covetous, no drunkards. Is that in your Bible? Drunkards. Hey, Charlie, Stella at all. <laughs> These things, they are powerful. Oh. Stay out. When you are born again, you are supposed to stay out of drinking. Amen. See, the, world, the devil has deceived people to think that if they don't drink alcohol, then they don't have life. As if without that, look, you, you will die. Must, must you get to the point where doctors say, if you take it again, you will die before you stop? God knew all these things. Amen. It's not for us. You see, the Bible, if you read your Bible, you'll find out. When the message came from Gabriel to Mary that Jesus will be born, you see, Mary herself had to take notice that she's not supposed to take any strong drink. When the announcement of the birth of Samson was made, Samson's mother was told, don't take alcohol. You are the temple of the living God. Amen. Yeah. If you will not go and sit in the cathedral and drink alcohol, you are the temple. You can't drink inside this temple. It's very simple. Don't let the devil deceive you. When they are showing adverts, they never show the guys who have been falling by the roadside. And you stop and say, where are you going? Man, any change, any change. And it's just, it's just, and they, have you seen any alcohol adverts showing this kind of people? They only show guys in white shirt, black tie, in suit, and they just, they are ashamed of their real customers. An advert is to cause you to buy something that you have not even determined that you would do. It's an advertisement. But the real people are the ones that are having problems at homes. There are many people who came from homes whose parents were drunks and alcoholics and mess up the whole home, come and beat their wives, fight their children, do all kinds of things and mess up the finances of the home. That's what alcohol does. Alcohol is a deception. The scripture says neither people either, nor who are revilers. Today I want you to see the definition. This is Bible so that we can go. 
just left it 10 minutes. Amen. 10 minutes of my ministration. Glory be to Jesus. Are you happy I'm about to stop? Because I've been talking too much. It is well. What does that say? To revile is to criticize in an abusive, hostile way. Or to spread negative information about. When you verbally attack someone and call him names and say mean things to them, this is an example of a time when you revile. Is that enough? Hallelujah. The Bible says we shouldn't be doing that. We can criticize constructively without being abusive. Without being insulting. What kind of Holy Spirit is in you? That before you speak, you have insulted people. Some people, they are anointed to insult people. When they open their mouth, you take over. May the Lord help us. In Jesus' name. See, these things, they are acts of unholiness. No extortionists. Extortion. Definition. What was the issue? About extortion. Yeah. Let's find what it means. Are you being blessed? Are you excited you came? Yeah. Or the sexual thing has made you quiet. Eh? It's important that we talk about it all. Christy, we must talk about it. <laughs> so when these feelings come, how do I handle it? Control it. Control it. When you are in town and you feel like don't you control yourself? Control yourself. Until you get to the right station. Wait till you get to marriage. In Jesus' name. Amen. All these things, when you get married, you see, you'll be tired. <laughs> you'll just be tired. <laughs> you'll be tired. <laughs> you are rushing. Just keep Take time and, and build energy and stamina and self-control. Andrew, take time, take time, take time. Soon and very soon. No extortion, extortion, extortion. Where is the extortion? Angela, so you take your time. See, take yeah. Don't let anybody hold your breast and those. Don't, don't, don't. Yes, who has the definition? Yeah. Ah, the practice of obtaining something, example money, with false pretenses. What does it say? Through force or threats to extort things from people. The Bible says we must, it says those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. All the things that are mentioned. Now, that's why it's a very important question to ask. Because, you see, if we read earlier on, we were that among the names of the, the groups listed there includes homosexuals, isn't it? Now, how does it conclude that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God? That means that it's a very serious anomaly to claim to be a believer and still be a homosexual. Because, otherwise, the, the, uh, look, we can throw all the intellectual arguments away. This scripture... Is saying something so serious. So you can't be that and inherit the kingdom. It's there. 
Unless we want to educate God otherwise. But this is there. Unless we plug it from the scriptures, this is there. Amen? It's there. So people can go and argue and shout and scream. They can argue emotionally. But the scriptures, unless, I don't know, maybe, maybe, maybe I don't have an understanding. What we just read, is it simple to understand or is it too complicated? That we need professors to explain it to us? It's straight. Amen. Now, so these acts are acts of unholiness. And if we walk in them, we will be denying the spirit of God from releasing these gifts in us. Amen. You are a temple of the Holy Spirit. And so, when we understand the nature of sin, we live our lives in preparation that so long as we are in this world, temptations will come. Temptation itself is not a sin. It is when we fall to that sin. When we fall to the temptation, then we have committed the act of sin. And the Bible says that the spirit of God lives in us. And those do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Wow. 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 Let's, let's finish it, please. And such were some of you. Some of you were like this. In other words, this is how we were. This is what we were before we became born again. So he was writing to Christians. He wasn't writing to unbelievers. It was being written to Christians and saying, this is how you used to be. We used to be homosexuals. We used to be fornicators. We used to be drunkards. We used to be people who get so angry and do all kinds of crazy stuff. He said, this is how you used to be. But you have been washed. You were sanctified. You are justified. The name of the Lord Jesus and by the spirit of our God, you have been sanctified. Have you seen your new position now? You have been washed. You have been justified. You have been sanctified and you have been cleansed by the spirit of our God. You are a totally different person now. Amen. Hallelujah. And then he says, all things, now he's teaching us how we can overcome these things. He says, all things are lawful to me, but not all things are helpful. It means that, yes, I am of age. I am 16, I'm 18. I can do whatever I want to do. Yes, it is lawful, but it is not helpful. So yes, you can go and buy cigarettes and no one is going to stop you. Because when they look at you, you are not nine years old. Lady Franklin, yeah, you are not nine. So get to the shop and say, yeah, just give me some. I want, to, I want to smoke some things and drink some things. Why do you want to be a chimney? Walking chimney. Locomotive. Just go in. All things are lawful for me, but all things are not helpful. So, legally, I can do it, but is it helpful to my health? Is it helpful? He says, all things are not helpful. Yes, I'm, I'm of age. I have feelings. I want to have sex. Yes, but it is not helpful at this time. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. This is where self-control comes in. Amen. I have self-control. Receive great self-control. Foods are for the stomach and stomach for foods. But God will destroy both it and them. God will destroy all those things. Food. The people that love food. Yay, Charlie, you love food. Give me a high five. Wow. You love food, man. It's good to eat food. 
but control it. God will destroy both it and them. Now the body is not for sexual immorality, but for what? The body, your body is not for sexual immorality. Connie, did you see it there? Charlie, this is the thing. Oh, this is the thing. Is, is there? Yes, the body is not for fornication. It's not for sexual immorality. It is for the Lord. And the Lord is for the body. Tell, isn't it? Yes, good one. And God both raised up the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. Let's conclude. 15. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? No. Have you seen it? He's likening sexual immorality, fornication. When you're not married, say when you have sex, it is the same like that of a prostitute. Hey, because a prostitute is also not married. He's also not married. He's having sex, and we are watching them on pornography. What the people who are doing the pornography thing? Are they married? What inspiration are you, hey, Pastor? We are learning something. There's a time and a season. Don't let the, that's what it says. Don't be deceived. Who taught Adam? Hey! When the season is due, you'll be fine. Amen. So that your testimony will be strong. In Jesus' name. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute is one body with her? Remember, marriage is the marriage. That's why the Bible says, two shall become one flesh. How do you become one flesh? By the sexual act. That's how you become one flesh. Lady Franklin! Yes. For the two, he says, shall become one flesh. Through that act. That's why he says, that, that is exactly what is happening. You are becoming one with the person. And that's why we must be careful. Because there are spiritual things that take place. There are spiritual exchanges. There are so exchanges. The person you're having sex with, do you, do you know what kind of covenant tied person in their family? If you have sex with someone who's dedicated to a God, prepare for a visit. You don't know. There are many safeguards that God is calling, but we are being called to holiness. I said it's possible to have a relationship and still not be involved in sex. It's possible. Charlie, it's possible. It's possible, cry, it's possible. For the two, he says, shall become one flesh. Next verse. Next verse. Amen. This, this culture is so toxic. But he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with the Lord. Be joined to the Lord. Now, flee sexual immorality. Did he say stay and handle it? He said flee. Charlie, the thing is hot. If you handle it, you are not careful. You will be swallowed. Flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside the body. That means that anything we do is outside our body. So we use our body to do things. If you insult somebody, you are, it's, it's not inside your body, it's outside your body. But it says, every sin a man does is outside the body, but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. So it's not even a sin against God first. It is a sin against your own body. This is how God looks at things spiritually. 
Say, ah, today I shouldn't have come. I don't like these sort of messages at all. It was good for you. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Have you seen it again? In another, this is another scripture altogether. It says, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Who is in you? Whom you have from God. And you are not your own. You are not your own. Say, no, I have my own body. No, you, you lie. You are born again. You don't have your own body. You are owned by the Lord. Amen. Hey, Charlie, these feelings, God, what should I do? Control the feeling. Because if you are married to and you start feeling for somebody else, what, what are you going to do? The reason why when you are on a high-rise building and you feel like jumping and you resist the fact that you, yeah, you won't jump is because you understand the consequence when you jump. So in the same way, when we begin to understand the consequence of sexual sins, even when we feel like we control ourselves, there is a time and a season. Amen. Yeah. Otherwise, how are you going to handle things? If, if you travel, then you are finished. If you get married and you travel to America for business for two weeks, and you see all fian fian ladies flying around, what are you going to do? So you can't control yourself. Start the control now. Amen. So that your marriage will be pure and preserved. Start relationships and maintain them on purity. It lays a spiritual foundation for the future of the marriage. So your testimony will be unique. You'll be bold to say, I did not have sex before I got married. You'll be bold to say that. And if you have already done that, you ask God for mercy, forgiveness, and start a new level in the name of Jesus. Amen. Yeah, it's possible. It's possible. It's a deception of the world. Amen. Glory to Jesus. It's possible. For you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit which belongs to God. So you must glorify God. These are the fundamentals, foundation for operating spiritual gifts. Holy living. I pray for you this moment that this word will stir fresh revival in your spirit. That you will look at sin with another pair of eyes from today. That you will not fall for it even though we walk in this world. We are prone to temptations. We are prone to so many things. But may God help you. This afternoon I want you to lift your voice and ask God, Lord help me. I want to live for you. I want to live holy. I want to walk in holiness. It's not going to take your might nor your power. It takes grace. It takes grace. It takes grace. But what we thank God for is the sanctifying power in the blood of Jesus. That that blood can cleanse us from all sins. In Jesus' name. Maybe you are feeling guilty at the sound of my voice. The message of God is still here to forgive and to give you a new beginning. If someone like Rahab can be cleansed and can be used, then there's hope for us. In Jesus' name. There were many women Jesus ministered to who were not they were not righteous. The Bible says Mary Magdalene had seven demons in her that were cast out. There was a woman that broke the alabaster box and came to Jesus. That Mary. And the Bible says that she was, she was not holy. She was not righteous. She was a prostitute. That's why when she was washing Jesus' feet with her hair, the Pharisees said if Jesus is really a prophet, he would know what kind of dirty woman this one was. But the message of God can receive and repair. Hallelujah.
God can receive and repair. I said, God can wash and cleanse. The hymn writer said, what can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. That is the blood. He said, nothing but the blood of Jesus. This afternoon, I feel the sanctifying presence of God here. In Jesus' mighty name. Don't let the devil condemn you. This message was not a message to condemn you. It's a message to inform you. And to prepare you to understand the spiritual implications of certain behaviors. In the mighty name of Jesus. Lift your voice and begin to pray in a short time. Thank you. Thank you. Preparation. Preparation for, for the move of the spirit. Maybe as I preached, you look at all the things that have been mentioned. Probably you are involved in certain things. Now this is the moment. Talk to God and ask God, Lord, forgive me. And I'm telling you, he brought this word so that he will prepare you. He will prepare you. Oh, This has been a broadcast of Green Pastures with Bishop James Hansen Saki of the Christ Church International Group of Churches located in the United Kingdom, Switzerland, Ghana, and USA. For further information, please contact us on telephone plus 447376355621 on the web www.christchurches.org. Facebook Christ Church International. Christ Church, changing lives, fulfilling destinies on the foundation of God's word.